Hi, this is Lily, and I'm a member of the Beacon Church. Welcome to our podcast. My family and I have been attending Beacon for a few years, and we love how the pastors reason through the scriptures every Sunday. We love the fellowship, the kids' classes, the singing, and oh, the cafe is great. So if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to meet you. We meet every Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30, or 12 noon. We're located at 65 East Williston Avenue in East Williston, New York. For more information, visit us at visitbeacon.com. See you soon. Good morning, everyone. I am uh, Robert Kelly, I'm one of the pastors here at the church. If we have not uh, yet met, I look forward to uh, getting to know you guys better. I know a lot of folks are coming on back. They've been away for uh, the summer, so uh, it's a great day uh, to be here in church together and f- seeing what God has for us. We, uh, this is Vision Sunday, and uh, this happens at the beginning of our ministry year every year. And pretty much what we do is we talk a little bit about where we've been in the past, We talk about any sort of big issues, big items, big ticket kind of stuff that's happening. And then we talk a little bit about where we're going in the future as well. Now, uh, there's kind of a buzz topic that's sort of out there whenever we have these like a business meeting or a Vision Sunday. uh, And that, of course, is the building. Uh, Because for those who are new, you may not realize this, but we are, in fact, looking for a new church home. So this started a couple of years ago. We sold our new Hyde Park campus. And we moved everybody over to this campus, and our plan is to find a new location somewhere near this place, near, near this location, uh, that we can uh, get a new building that's bigger, gives us a little bit more room and a lot more ministry space. And uh, so my update for that is there's no update. Uh, so <laughs> there it is. We have no new information. We do have a decent lead that we are pursuing right now, but uh, we're still very much in the midst of uh, our search, and uh, that's it. I wish I had other news, but, you know, there it is. And uh, so anyway, we're still looking for for a building. Please be praying about that because we would love for uh, that to happen in uh, the next couple of years, and uh, it takes about a year or more for that whole process anyway. So when, when we find something, it'll still take a year or two to actually finish that off. Also, Uh, As a church, we actually don't have any big announcements going on. Instead, what we have are dozens and dozens of subtle and smaller shifts that have taken place over the last couple of years. And today really does mark the culmination of a couple of years of work, prayer, and planning, where we're finally going to bring all of these elements together, and we've been preparing all of you for this through our summer series, talking about our mission and vision and strategies and all of that. And I think a plan is needed for anything that we hope to accomplish that is important. John F. Kennedy, he said that the time to repair the roof is when the sun is shining. And I love this idea. I love being able to get out ahead of problems. And so about two years ago, as a church, we set out to figure out who we wanted to become in the next decade. We had just hit our 10-year mark as a church. We'd been in existence for 10 years. And we loved a whole lot of the stuff that we were seeing about who we were as a church. But there were some missing pieces. There were some things that we felt like we had missed in the first decade. And everything was going good. Ministries were strong. People were still coming out to the church. And we were growing but it was time to fix the roof. 
because it wasn't raining. There were no crises, there were no problems, but we wanted to actually sharpen who we were as a congregation. Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, could somebody tell me how to pronounce this name? It's Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. Could you pull that one up there? Antoine de, no, not that's Ben Franklin. <laughs> I want the Antoine, yeah, that one. And it's, it's, uh? That, that person said, <laughs> my friend Antoine said, a goal without a plan is just a wish. And if you've been around any amount of time, you know that we don't want wishes around here. We want actual fulfillment of our mission. We want to know what we're doing, how we're going to get to where we're going. And I know a lot of churches, they start t talking about a plan and some people will recoil and be like, come on, you just need to let the spirit lead and the spirit will do what the spirit will do. And I understand that attitude. The problem is in my experience, churches that fail to plan, the spirit decides not to show up. And I don't know why he does that, but it seems to me that when churches are saying, you know what, let's just sort of do whatever happens to come our way, that very little happens to come their way. And that's not what we want. So we, we are actually looking to figure out how we can take this plan, and really what it is is the last phase of our implementation of institutionalizing, you could even say, our Chapter 2 initiatives. Now, this Chapter 2 requires just a little walk down memory lane. It was about two years ago, 2015 in November, that we announced to the congregation that it was time for us to start doing some soul searching and make some shifts in the way we were doing ministry because we were very, very busy doing lots of really great things, but we faced some challenges. We were so busy managing two campuses with four services between the two that we were losing focus on what we were supposed to be doing as our primary purpose. And as a church, we knew that we could make disciples. As leaders, we knew that we could make disciples. But what we weren't so convinced about is that we were equipping you, the congregation, to make disciples. And the way we would talk about it is we would say, if we gave you two or three brand new Christians, would you be able to take them from where they're at to maturity in Christ so that they could make disciples themselves? And we asked a whole lot of our leaders that, and we got a whole lot of panicked looks. Like, are you about to ask me to do that? Because that would be wrong. I'm not ready to do that which of course was true. We simply weren't ready to do that. But the goal isn't for the, 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 the mission that we've been given by Christ isn't so that a few church leaders can make disciples. The goal is that you would make disciples. That was the great commission, is that followers of Christ could lead someone to faith and grow them up to maturity by themselves. Of course, with the help of a community, but that you would be equipped to do that. And we made that the center of, a, of a, an initiative we called Chapter 2. We also noticed during this time that we had no clear pathway for disciple-making. We had lots of ministries, a whole lot of programs, but we had no clear-cut pathway that a spiritual seeker could easily follow. There was just too many things. It was a buffet of choices and often left people bewildered. There were a few catalysts that brought us to this point. We went to a conference a, couple, a few years ago, and it was me, Chris, and Trevor. And at that conference, the, leaders just, the, the speakers just continued to hammer away on the main thing, 
the command of Jesus to make disciples. And that sort of put this fire in our bellies to say, we're going to make this happen at Beacon. We haven't for the first 10 years, but we will do everything in our power to become this kind of a church in the next 10 years. So we set out to do that. Then shortly after that, we started taking, I started taking some other classes to try to push my own leadership just a little further down the field to figure out. And a lot of the reading I was doing and the professors, it was all helping to shape the direction that we started to take. Then finally, the last piece came when Chris and I went to a conference just, uh, just a few months back now. And we realized there that we had not taken all of the various threads and woven them together into a simplified whole. That we had actually over the years, simply become a complex and even bloated congregation. We had a mission as a church. And if I were to have asked you back then, to say, or even, a, even a, within the last few months, what is the mission of Beacon? We would get 25 different answers, and none of them would be the printed mission statements that we had. If I said, what's the purpose of the church? Other people would go in a different direction. They would name four or five. Some would be words and some would be phrases. If I asked you about the core values, you might panic if you knew that we had over a dozen of them or 13 or 14 or 10, depending on what list you read, because our lists weren't even the same as to what our core values actually were. We had five life practices, a few very catchy sayings. We had a whole lot of vision statements on top of our mission and purpose statements. We had seven circles and tons of strategies and tactics. Then we had children's ministries and youth ministries, our next-gen ministries, that had their own mission, purpose, values, visions. It was exhausting. At one point, we came up with some 50 or 60 metrics by which we would judge success as a congregation the things that we would have to measure to make sure. We clearly needed to simplify. So if you could open up in a Bible to Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to introduce you to our simplified pathway. Ephesians chapter 2, we'll be starting in verse 1. And what we have is a spiritual formation pathway that we think is straightforward, easy to communicate, easy to follow. So here it is. I think. Love God, love people, grow in Christ, serve the world. If you want to ask what is the mission of Beacon, here it is. Love God, love people, grow in Christ, serve the world. Would you repeat that with me? Love God, love people, grow in Christ, serve the world. It's actually a parallel to the Great Commission itself, and it represents the essential elements that we think will make a missional disciple maker out of anyone willing to run these strategies down in their lives. Now, let's go to a blank slide, do a little test. Ready? What is the mission? You got it already, see? That was so easy and straightforward. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, 
gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were, by nature, deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. When we talk about a person who loves God. This is what we're talking about. See, you can't become a follower. No one is born a Christian. You become a Christian when you make a decision to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the only way to become a person who loves God is to do it through his son, Jesus. Paul tells us in this letter in Ephesians, he's saying, listen, you, you, you can't be good enough to get to heaven. And the vast majority of people that you talk to anywhere in the world will tell you that the way to get to heaven, to hit nirvana, to reach the sacred space, whatever it is, whatever their view of heaven is, they will tell you, the vast majority of people, that they're going to be good enough. And here, the Apostle Paul is saying, you can't be good enough. It is by grace. It is a gift from God by faith. You accept it by trusting that it is true for you that Jesus died in your place. That's how you become a person who loves God. And if you've made that decision, then that's where you're at. You're, you're at a place where you love God. And if you have not yet, if you believe that your good works will save you, or if you've said, you know what, I'm not really sure about this whole Jesus Christian thing. I'm not really sure if Jesus is in fact the only way to get to heaven. Then you have yet to cross the line of faith. Now for us as a church, we offer one main strategy to help us love God. And that is our Sunday morning worship gatherings. It's at these gatherings, like this here today, where we ask people to surrender to God. We ask them to accept Christ as Lord and Savior, to become Christ followers. And if a person does it, they become a lover of God. That's our goal. That's our main purpose. That's our, that, that is what we hope will happen during this time together, is that more and more people... Now, if you're already a Christian, then our hope for you is that you will grow in your love for God. And so we, we employ all sorts of different uh, ideas and strategies and things that we're trying to do to help you love God more and more. In fact, you've even seen this over the last couple of years. We've continued to shift our worship gatherings. So we're putting more and more of our, our music toward the end of the service. Why? It's not just to change. I mean, we like change for change's sake, but we mostly change things for reasons. For we, we have purposes behind the, the, the changes because we're trying to create a more significant moment for you and God so that you can examine where you're at. We're trying to put some music and some application wrapped up around the Eucharist so that you've heard the message and you've been challenged in your mind, but now it's time to let God do a work in your heart and we feel like the singing time and the prayers and the Eucharist are a great way to do that. It's also why we're trying to move the connection card earlier in the service because we're trying to keep some of that, you know, fill out the card stuff and the passing of the plate stuff. We're trying to do that a little bit earlier so that you can have more focused time in examining your heart before God because our desire is for you to love God more fully and completely. In fact, we're actually making a big change 
to the way we do baptisms at Beacon as well to, to bring this around. Our, one of my favorite days of the whole year, of course, is our Baptism Sunday. And it has been a part of what we've done every single year uh, in, in our church since the very, very beginning. So this has been a very hard one for me. But we believe that a shifting away from an annual baptism to doing baptisms when they're needed, when they're ready, and making them a part of our worship service together will be a more powerful way for us to understand how to love God, to see it happening, to hear the stories more regularly, to be reminded. And so though I am going to brutally miss this day, it feels like one of the right things for us to do, to, 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 to try something to enhance our experience of loving God. Teaching is also going to more consistently focus on drawing us back to God and, of course, all the types of songs and the ones we pick and all that toward that end. Next is love people. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. He says, Therefore, remember that formerly you were, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves a circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at, one, at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of promise without hope and with God and, and without God in the world. Now, what's he saying? The Jews and the Gentiles always fought. They were viewed as the insiders were the Jews, the outsiders were the Gentiles, and never the two should meet. But in Christ, the dividing wall of hostility has been taken down because Christianity isn't based on your ethnic background, isn't based on your socioeconomic status, it isn't based on the color of your skin, it is based on the brotherhood and the sisterhood of Christ because we've all surrendered to him. And as our heavenly father, God now makes us brothers and sisters. And so the dividing wall of hostility has been torn down between Jew and Gentile. That's great for them, but it goes so much beyond, so much further beyond the Jew and Gentile conflict. Later, look at what he says in verse 18. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. You see, that's who you are. You're brothers and sisters in Christ. And it does not matter what your background is. It doesn't matter if you're black or white or brown, if you're rich or you're poor. It doesn't matter any of those things because there's always room at the table for family, always. You can always find a way to fit one more of your brothers or your sisters, your nieces and nephews, your uncles. So you can always find a way to fit them at the table. And that's what we do here. We love each other as brother and sister in Christ. And our hope and our plan is for all of you, every single person who calls Beacon Church home to have a, a genuine Christian community, a group of people who will love them and who they can love in return. Our strategy for loving people is group life. We want everyone to participate in group life. We want everyone to find that group of people. Maybe you have that group of people outside of Beacon. Fantastic. We're not saying you need another or a fifth or a sixth growth group. We're saying what you need is a group of people. And if you don't have that, a group of people where you can practice genuine Christian community, where you can sacrificially love them and them you, then we offer you up group life. We start off with Alpha to give you a taste of group life. 
To say, hey, this is what it's like to be with a group of Christians who are learning together and loving together. And after that, our goal is to get you plugged into a group that's somewhere in your neighborhood or a life stage group or something where you can really genuinely practice loving people. That's why we're not calling them growth groups anymore, though that one's going to be hard to change. Because growth is a strategy that shows up in our next part. This is about connecting people into these sorts of uh, genuine communities. And it's why we are implementing a shepherding plan which is a way to take each of these small groups, make them missional communities that will actually reach out to the people in the congregation who are not yet a part of group life. We're putting that part, the, that part of the ministry into the hands of the small groups because we feel like there is a whole group of people here in the congregation who aren't yet benefiting from group life. And we want you to. And the small groups are going to help fold more and more people into group life. Our next is grow in Christ, and we see this in Ephesians 1, 13. Look at verse, actually no, in Ephesians 1, verse 15. He says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. That's pretty cool because he's saying he loves God and he loves people. So we already got the first two down. And then he goes on. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering in you, you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. He already said, listen, you guys already love God and you love people. Now we want you to grow in Christ. And he uses words like wisdom and revelation, know him better, be enlightened. And all of those capture this longing to grow in Christ. And our main strategy to help people grow in Christ is intentional discipleship. And this is one of the most significant shifts that has happened to Beacon in the last couple of years. So a person finishes Alpha, what next? Well, if you have decided that you're not quite ready to follow Christ then we say, all right, let's get you into an exploring Christianity class. It's a group, it'll be a small group of, uh, with a more seasoned believer who will help talk to you about the, the questions that are still holding you back from Jesus. Now, if you say, no, I am a follower of Christ, I do want to become a Christian, I do want to walk down this path, then we say, great, we're going to pair you up with a disciple maker in a follow-up group that will help get you rooted and grounded in the faith for, say, three to six months, depending on where you're at and what your questions are. After that, we fold everyone into our disciple-making classes. Those classes will be happening every month, and they're structured around a three-year curriculum. That three-year curriculum will give you the basics of Christianity, theology, belief, apologetics, how to share your faith, how to pray, how to have a devotional life. We're going to go through 30 different topics in that year, taught by a variety of different teachers here at the church. And after that three years, you will have a solid foundation for what it means to be a Christian. After that, you're not yet ready because you're not feeling like you're able to take a, a, a young Christian yet and grow them up. So we're going to be pairing you up into discipleship groups. And those groups will be 18 to 24 months or however long they're needed to get you to the point where you are becoming a fully formed disciple of Jesus with the goal that at the end of it, you will be ready to lead another person through that journey. So that is our discipleship 
plan, our intentional discipleship plan. We're also going to, in order to support that new initiative, we're getting rid of the, the winter Bible study and the core training that we used to do. And we are, in fact, folding them into this extended plan, this, uh, di these discipleship classes. We are also going to be taking a break from small groups the week that we're offering the discipleship classes so that you as a group can come out to discipleship classes together because we want to balance both of these things. Those will be the only reasons why your groups are now uh, having to take a break. So anyway, that is our hope and our plan for growing in Christ. Then serve the world. Look at Ephesians 2, back in Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God already has a plan for your life. Our main strategy to help us serve the world is to deploy you into the ministry, here at Beacon and outside of Beacon, to find ways that you can use your God-given gifts and your God-given talents, help you reprioritize life according to kingdom values, to get you encouraged, exhorted, and sent out, organized in such a way that you can have an impact in the kingdom, that you'll serve the world in a, in, in, with increasingly, in an increasingly effective way. So we've been doing all sorts of streamlining and focusing on recruitment and all of this kind of stuff. We have our care and our compassion teams, which are some of the ways that we're going to give you opportunities to go serve the world, but it will be much more than that as well. Because our desire is to see a group of Christians serving the world in increasingly sacrificial ways, being the hands and the feet of Christ. Now, that will give us a missional disciple maker. That's our hope and our plan. You run through this, you work each of these categories, and we believe in the end, you will be even closer to being a missional disciple maker, meaning you are a fully formed disciple of Jesus who knows that they live every day on mission for the kingdom of God. And you're able to reproduce that in the next generation of Christians. That's our goal. That's our hope. That's our mission. Now, some of you have been around all summer. You're thinking, but I thought we had a whole lot of circles too. The circles fit in a very different way. Our circles diagram, if you remember this from the whole summer, shows you the spheres of influence that we're trying to move people from one to the next. And they actually do relate to our mission. This will be the last time you ever see this graphic, more than likely, unless you're like uh, one of the leaders or, in the, the, you know, you're in the core team or something like that. But they do relate. And I just want to show you the hodgepodge here for a second. So this next diagram, you know, we try to move people from the community, crowd, congregation, and in. Here's where they actually rest. The community are the people that we don't yet know. We move them into the crowd when they become a part of this congregation in some way, meaning they come out to an event or they give us their contact information. They say, you know what, I want to be connected in some way to Beacon. So you're part of our crowd. But when you start attending more regularly, when you start checking your kids in or you drop something in the plate or you attend and you fill out your connection card and we know that you're here uh, on an increasingly regular basis, say more than, than once a month, then you're part of the congregation. That congregation is the group of people that is loving God through worship gatherings. Now, if you say to us, yeah, but I actually want to go further than that. I, want, I don't want it to be a Sunday morning religion for me. I want it to be something that extends into the rest of my week. 
we hope that you get connected. You get connected, you become a person in that, in that group that we call the connected who is loving people through group life. And on and on you go, growing in Christ, you start to participate in that, then you, we, we put you into the committed circle. You're serving the world, we feel like you have been commissioned and you're starting to serve the world in some significant way. And then of course for our covenant members, we would say we're hoping and expecting that all of these would be true of, all, of each of our covenant members, which is a group that we have based on uh, our structure, our polity, and our, our legal standing in the, in the state and all that kind of stuff. Now this also becomes for us how it is that we can measure whether or not we are moving in the direction that God wants us. So here's our current numbers, ready? We have 200,000 people or so in our community. That's the area that we feel like is reasonable for people to drive out and come to the church, visit us. It's people who we send postcards, uh, postcards to, and it's people who live near you. It's all your neighbors, some 200,000 people, huge number. We have 2,757 people in the crowd, the group of people who say, yep, we've, we've been somehow connected to the church, but, you know, we're mostly taking a back seat in our, our commitment, our connection to the group. Then we have 431 people who regularly worship with us on a Sunday morning. So that's, of course, almost all of you, unless you happen to be a guest or the crowd. But for most of you here this morning, you're one of those 431. Of course, this is where all the work now comes in. How do we get more of those 431 connected into group life, which we now have 130 participating in? How do we get more of them to grow in Christ, which is now only 107 people? And of course, weirdly, we have even more serving in our various ministries, which I guess is sort of the thing we've been doing a lot of uh, lately over the years. And it shows a little bit of our imbalance, but it also shows one of our great strengths as a congregation. And so we have even more people who are committed to serving in, uh, in ministries here through the church. We also have 143 covenant members, which is curious because the covenant that they make largely says they'll be doing the other things. And so that should have been the smallest of all of the numbers. So we have a lot of work to do with our covenant members to see where, uh, what their next steps might be. So what does this mean for you? This is now how we get to measure as a church whether we are accomplishing the mission that God has laid out for us. What does that mean for you? Well, where are you at? And it doesn't matter what ministry. If you're in our next-gen ministries, you're in children's ministries, and you're in youth ministries, student ministries, they're all the same now. We all have the same mission, and we are all working the same goals and strategies. So how is it that you can figure out where, what you're, where you're at? Well, it's simple. Run the grid. You memorized it already. So are you loving God? Are you participating in the life of worship on a regular and an increasing way? For you, if you come once a month, then come twice. You come twice a month, then come three times. If you're coming all the time, then, we have, then you have already committed yourself to this congregation and you have said, I am going to do what I can to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Great. Are you in a group? Do you have that group of people where you're practicing genuine Christian community? If not, that's for you. It's time to love people, put some feet on it, and get out there and actually do the sacrificial work of building real relationships, sharing life with each other and loving them in a way that you haven't before. You might say, yeah, that's great, but you know, I'm actually just, I'm in a group, but I'm stagnant in my growth. Well, let's help that. We offer a way for you to get kick-started again so that you don't kind of just plateau. You know you never really plateau in the Christian life. You feel like you plateau, but you're actually, you actually decline 
you don't really, I, I've not really seen someone plateau. I've seen them go up, I've seen them go down. Very few people plateau for very long. There's always movement, it's up or down. If that's you, let's get you plugged into growing in Christ. Figure out how to do that. What's the next step? Where are you at in that, in that part of the process? And of course, serving. Some of you might just be serving in a small way, but you haven't really found your mission. You might be helping out with a couple of events, but you really haven't found what you're called to do in this world. Let us help you find what you are supposed to be doing in this world to represent Christ so that we can help each of us become missional disciple makers. Does that make sense? That's where we are going, my friends. I'm going to ask the band to come up and lead us in a couple of songs. And uh, they're going to bring us into the Lord's table as we uh, get ready to participate in the Eucharist. But as they do that, let me just pray for each of us. Lord, I'm just asking that you would do an incredible thing here at our church. We've been doing so many different things in so many different ways. Lord, we thank you that you've allowed us this time, this season as a church to refocus on your vital call to us to make disciples and to be disciples. Lord, we thank you for all of the opportunities and the experiences that you've given to us and all the many people that have helped to shape who we are and where we're going. We're asking, Lord, now that you would stir up each person's heart individually, meet them where they're at, even here during these songs and during these prayers and at the Lord's table. I pray that you would stir up, speak to each of our hearts individually and help us to know, Lord, what is our next step? Where do we go? How do we, we grow in our love for you and for people? And how do we serve the world in increasingly sacrificial ways? We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen.